that kind of catches up to where we are. We've been studying over the summer the book of Exodus. And um, if, if you've missed any of the messages, you can get those um, online or you can get the CD. And, and if you've missed it because of summer vacation or whatever, uh, please feel free to, to, to take advantage of that so you can catch up on all, all the messages. And what we've been, we're in our seventh week and we've been studying this and, and we've been understanding how God works through Moses to deliver his children under Egyptian bondage for 400 years to, to bring them into this promised land, something that he's promised to their forefathers. And so here we see God working in their lives. But how many know that um, when God works through us, sometimes we don't listen, right? Sometimes we're a little stubborn. Sometimes we're a little hard-headed. Sometimes it takes us a little longer uh, to catch on, we're a little stunat, as they would say in Italian, a little stunat, right? I would say to my kid, what are you, stunat, right? You're not getting it. It's not comprehending. It's not getting there. And so God, through bringing them out, is going to have to train them and also test them, test their faith. And here's the thing I want you to see as we, as, as, as we dig through the book of Exodus, because last week we talked about going through the Red Sea. They get through the Red Sea. They're on the other side. Now they're in the wilderness. Pharaoh's army's been, they've, they've drowned in the Red Sea. Now they're, now they're with God. God's going to eventually lead them to Mount Sinai where he's going to uh, have a covenant, make a covenant with them that they are going to be his children. God is dedicated to them. And he's going to provide for them. And so what, what the, the section that we're in now is, is difficult because <clears throat> this great thing happens. This great thing happens. The Red Sea happens. It's, it's this wonderful thing to bring God's people together. And so you see the closing of the Red Sea, swallowing up Pharaoh's army. And, and I would say that Israel had a pretty cool week. I mean, think about it. I mean, God's on our side. God's done this great miracle. And I would say that great event of parting the Red Sea would bring God's people together. It would, it would, call, it would be a cause for celebration that they knew God was for them. And so what God does is by bringing them through, now they're celebrating. They're like, wow, this is fantastic. And God is, is bringing his people together. Isn't it fun to celebrate with people over things? Isn't it, isn't it fun when, especially when you're celebrating with somebody that, that you're on the same side, you're on the same team? Uh, we were able to go to the Little League World Series, dropping West off at College in Virginia. And it's neat when you, I've never been there before. I don't know if any of you have been to the Little League World Series in Williamsport, uh, Pennsylvania, but it's really, it's amazing. And you see everybody walking around from different countries and they've got their shirts on and they've got their cowbells. And people are sitting together on the same team and there's cheering going on, there's celebration, they're singing. It, it's, 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 it's a scene. It's really, it was, it was a great opportunity uh, to hang out there for, for a little bit. And, and, and so you have this great celebration going on. People are uh, together. And for that time, it, it, it brought them together. And so here we see Israel's together, and now they're on the other side of the Red Sea. They're together, and they're celebrating. And I want to jump into God's Word. If you've got your Bibles, I want to look at what God does here. We're going to look at Exodus 14. We're going to look at Exodus 15. But first of all, I want to look at just Exodus 14, verses 30 and 31. And let's pick up the story of God doing this great work in Israel's life after bringing them through uh, the Red Sea. And so what we see here in Exodus 14, 30 and 31, it says this. It says, this is how the Lord rescued Israel from the hands of the Egyptians that day. The Israelites saw the body of the Egyptians washed up on the seashore. And when the people of Israel saw the mighty 
power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with what? Awe. They were filled with awe before him. And listen to what this says in the latter half of verse 31. And what did they do? They put their faith in who? The Lord. And who else? Their servant Moses. So what, what happened here is they said, man, God is real. Now they've seen God do all these great things before them through the plagues, but now they see this great hand that God performs before them, the great hand of the Lord, and now they put their faith in the Lord and in their servant Moses. And from within their hearts came this expression of joy and thankfulness. They put their faith in God. They put their faith in Moses, God's appointed leader. At this point, life is good, right? They all bought the Life is Good t-shirts, right? Life is good. They had little t-shirts with the pardon of the Red Sea. They all got the same t-shirts, all on the same team. Life is good. At this point, they're celebrating. Life is good. They were traveling to the promised land. The enemy, Egypt, has been defeated. They were whooping it up. This is, this is good. And so at the beginning of chapter 15, of Exodus, Moses and the children of Israel are worshiping the Lord and they're singing, they're joyful, and they're expressing their joy through singing. Do you realize that singing is very biblical? Some of you may wonder, why do we sing in church? Because I would rather hit my thumb with a hammer than actually sing out loud or hear, hear people sing. Now, now, let me preface that by saying this. I know some of you, I know because I've driven by some of your cars and you didn't notice me and your windows were rolled down and you were jamming out to some rock tune and you were singing at the top of your lungs, don't stop believing. I hear you, I hear you, all right? So don't tell me you don't like to sing because I know that you like to sing. And so it's funny, they're celebrating. So this celebration was expressed through singing. That's very biblical. There's a joy in singing. That's why we sing, because we're joyful about what Christ has done in our life. We are a redeemed people who God has brought us out of our sin, out of our, out of our Egypt, called him to himself. And that's something to be happy about. That's something to be joyful about. Can I get an amen? So it's okay. Listen, it's okay. And I understand it's, it's okay to clap your hands. It's okay to lift your hands. It's okay to be joyful and, and celebratory for what God has done in our heart. We don't want it to be fake. We don't want it to be coerced. We, you know, God wants it to come through your heart, an expression of joy and gratefulness for what Jesus Christ has done in our heart. So they're, they're expressing this and studies even show the positive effect of, of singing, that, that it strengthens your immune system. It's a natural antidepressant. It releases endorphins into our system, which lowers stress levels. If you're stressed out, start singing. Start worshiping. Uh, it diminishes cortisol. It improves your mental clarity. It lessens feelings of depression and anxiety. That's what singing does when we sing together. That's why God tells us to sing and make a joyful noise. Notice what it says, a joyful noise. It doesn't say that you have to be on key because noise can be anything you want it to be, right? And I believe God has a big filter that what goes through here, he filters, and all, all he hears is a joyful noise. Now, your neighbor may not think so, but 
uh, those standing next to you may not think so. They may think it's a noise, but God sees it as a joyful noise unto him. And so what we see at the beginning of 15 is this joyful worship for what God has done. Look at Exodus 15, 1 and 2. Flip over into the next chapter. It says, Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. They were saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider is thrown into the sea. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and... How many remember that song? Old people? Good. See, see you're with me. Some of you that remember that song. I will sing unto them. Okay, anyways, every time I read that, I just break into that song because that's all I remember as a kid. It says, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become what? My salvation. What a great song of expression of what God has done. Everything seems wonderful at this point. What could go wrong? See, oftentimes... This happens with us. We're praising God one moment, and then the next moment, has this ever happened to you? The next moment, you don't even think you're a Christian at this point because something happens to disrupt that joyful praise that's in your life. Praising God one moment and then complaining the next. I don't think that's happened to anybody here, has it? Has this happened to anybody here? Am I the only one that's this ever happened to you, right? You're like, you come into a church service, you're like, man, that was just such a wonderful church. The worship was wonderful. People were singing. That preacher is a good preacher. That was good preaching right there, right? And then you come out of church, someone cut you off, something happened at the restaurant, and it just turned your whole mood around that you're like, were we even in church? What did even pastor talk about today? I don't remember at this point because I'm ticked off. I'm mad. I'm irritated, right? And we're thinking, how can this happen? Well, this is what happens. This is exactly what happens to Israel. Chapter 15 is a tale of two attitudes. It's a tale of two attitudes, right? One attitude is of thankfulness. The other, grumbling and complaining. And, and, and I want you to read what happens at the end of chapter 15. Now, you were at the beginning. I will sing unto the Lord, for he is triumphantly the horse and rider thrown into the sea. Woo! Right? They're all excited. Look at the end of 15. Are you ready? Here's what happens. Then Moses led Israel, look at verse 22, from the Red Sea, they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled into the desert without finding water, and when they came to Mar, they could not drink it because it was bitter. That is why this place is called Mar. So the people did what? Grumbled and complained against who? Just a moment before they put their faith in who? They threw him under the bus. Moments later, they said, Moses, you're our leader. Thank you. Wow. God chose the right leader. We love you, Moses. Thank you. And now, no water. We hate you, Moses. What are we to drink? Do something about it. So I said that to you before. You're in charge and said, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? I don't know. What are you going to do about it, right? All of a sudden now... Their praise turned to grumbling. What are we to drink? And then Moses cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood, a stick. He threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. 
And there the Lord issued a ruling instruction for them and put them what? To the test because they just don't learn. We just don't learn, do we? And he said, if you listen carefully to the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring uh, to you any of the diseases I brought to, to the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who does what? I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elam where there was 12 springs, 70 palm trees, hammocks, all kind of good stuff right there. And they camped there near the water. You see, God tested them and wanted to show them their heart. When everything was great, there was praise. When there became an obstacle and a trial, God revealed the trueness of their heart. Why does God sometimes bring testing to us to reveal what's going on in our hearts? That is okay, people. Because then it will show us, God, I need to trust you. Because if tests never came, there would be no purification that would happen in my life. My life would never grow deeper in the Lord if there was never a test. Tests are okay. He's not testing us to do evil or to tempt us to do evil. He's testing us to grow us, to challenge us, to discipline us so that we become stronger in him. And the Israels are going to have to become stronger in the Lord if they are going to traverse through the wilderness and face the enemies that are before them, especially when they come to Canaan and the promised land. So three days they're traveling. There's no water. And before we get on all the Israelites about their complaining, right? We do the same thing when there's a snowstorm or a windstorm or an ice storm or our power goes out. We freak out. We go to the store. We buy everything on the aisles to the aisles are bare, right? And we're like, man, what's going on? And we complain too. When we're inconvenienced, we complain. In fact, I asked my daughter the other day, I said, I said, Lily, um, what if I just took away your phone for just a week? Literally... I thought she was having a heart attack, fell on the, no, I'm just teasing. She's like, really? I said, what if I took your phone away for three minutes? Could you do it? Right? It's just something about we're attached. And let's, let's not put the teenagers down. Okay. There's something about, we are attached to these conveniences, right? And then when we don't have them or something goes wrong, it reveals what we are trusting. So here they had no water for three days and they finally find water. And when they finally find water, it's undrinkable. Now, do you think God is unaware of their dilemma? Do you think God brought them there and he says, oops, forgot that the water was bitter. Sorry about that. Right? I don't think so. God knew exactly what God was testing them to see what was revealed in their heart. So here's the thing. God provided for them. God has just done this miraculous thing before them. And in just three short days, they are complaining and they have forgotten how to sing. You might be here today and you've forgotten how to sing. Maybe even today as you were in the worship You couldn't sing today because your heart was so heavy. There's something that is such a burden on your heart that you looked at the words and and that, that circumstance has so overwhelmed you and overwhelmed your life and overwhelmed your heart and overwhelmed your soul that even when we sang, it is well with my soul, it was hard for you to sing that because your soul isn't well. And I love what Katie said there. Even if you're struggling, even if 
your soul isn't well, give it to the Lord. Trust him with it. See, that's what God is trying to do in Israel's heart. See, it's not well right now because the provision of water is not there. Just moments earlier, they're praising and thanking God. And see, it's through these times that, we, that it reveals our hearts so that, that even in the difficult times, in the trials in our lives, are we still able to sing? Is it still well with your soul? Is God the, still, is God the same God at Mara as he was on the opposite side of the Red Sea? Has God lost any of his goodness at Mara and on the other side of the Red Sea? Has God's character changed at all? See, this is what God was trying to show Israel. That they've forgotten how to sing. And so what has happened to, I will sing unto the Lord, for he is trying glorifully the horse and rider thrown into his scene. In a moment, we can lose this sense of perspective. We all fall into this trap one time or another. How quickly we can forget the goodness of God and what he's done for us. We, we sing and we amen, and then we are irritated and complaining because something didn't go our way or we're stuck in traffic or whatever may happen in our lives to inconvenience us. See, it's, it's easy for us to look at our lives as bitter water. And maybe something has happened in your life that has made your life bitter. Maybe it's bad marriage. Maybe it's whatever, whatever it may be. Whatever circumstances happen in your life, in your past. And maybe that thing has caused you to become bitter. And, and many times we think, well, I'm over it. But then something happens, something occurs that drags up that bitterness. And it just comes out. Now, you can do one of two things. You can just brush it under the carpet and say, well, I just had a bad day. Blah, 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 blah. Or you can say, God, why did I react the way that I did? Why am I still so angry about that? Why is the mention of that person's name make me angry? Why does this situation or something like it still cause me to, to walk in anger and bitterness? Why is it when I'm talking to somebody else, I'll, I'll end up putting that thing down or that person down? See, what God is revealing to your heart is there's still bitter water in your life. And let me just say this, bitter water in your life will keep you from glorifying God the way he wants you to glorify him. Bitter water will harden you to the voice of God. See, God knows our hearts. God knew the hearts of Israel, and that's what he wanted to draw to himself was their hearts. He wanted all of them, and he wanted to reveal to them what was truly going on in their lives. So they could deal with it, so they were able to trust and, and know that God is going to provide for them. See, it's easy to see our lives as bitter water. And so why is God adamant about us not having a critical spirit? If you're taking notes, look at your notes there, because I want to give you a couple of things here, because I think this is so important. Why is God adamant about us, us not having a critical, grumbling, complaining spirit? Now, how many of us all have bad days? How many of you ever had a bad day in your life? We all have bad days, right? You may be having a bad day today, okay? We all have bad days. That, that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about when bitterness in a complaining spirit so grips my heart that it keeps me from knowing and praising God, that, 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 that it, be, it begins to dictate my life. And this is why God's so adamant against this critical spirit. So here's the reason. Let me give you a couple of reasons here. First of all, Grumbling poisons not only us, but others. Grumbling, what does it do? 
grumbling, it doesn't even poison us because we're, it, it, it definitely poisons us in our life. But it also poisons others around us. You see, the problem with the complaining spirit and the grumbling spirit, I think this is what began. And let me tell you, let me tell you what happened at Mara. One person began to complain. Another person began to complain. And it spread like wildfire. Why did Moses lead us here just to, just to have bitter water? Moses isn't that great of a leader. Why did God ever choose him? Moses, what are you going to do about it? And, bah, 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 and all of a sudden, whoo, just like wildfire, that complaining spirit caught fire within the camp of Israel. You see, the reason why a complaining spirit is so dangerous and why God is so adamant against a complaining spirit is this. We want others to join our grumbling. We want others to feel our discontentment. We want others to feel our pain, right? And so when we hear someone else complain, it reinforces our discontentment and allows us to feel justified in the way we feel. And this is why it's so dangerous. Here's the reason why it's so dangerous. And we have to guard our hearts against this. Grumbling ultimately hardens our hearts towards God. And what we end up doing is we end up drinking our own poison. And this can happen with married couples too. And, and, and friends and so on and so forth. Is that we can drink each other's poison because what we end up doing is taking on the critical spirit of our friend or our spouse. We end up taking on their offense into our life if we're not careful. And we can easily lose our discerning spirit and our sensitivity to the Lord. The grace and mercy are no longer emblems of my life. This complaining, bitter spirit ends up taking over my life where I don't trust anybody. Everybody's on the make and they're going to take advantage of me and blah, 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 blah. And there's a conspiracy going on behind this whole thing and people don't like me and blah, 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 right? This is what ends up happening in a bitter spirit. See, the proclivity of my heart is judgment and suspicion and everyone is wrong and I'm right. See, God knew that this would be dangerous for the unity of his people and so what God does is he brings Mara into their lives for a reason. Every single one of you, listen to me now, it's just us talking this morning. Every single one of you, God is going to bring a Mara into your life. God is going to bring that situation or that person in your life that's just going to rub your fur the wrong way. And what it's going to do is you can do one of two things, bitter and critical, or you can say, hmm, could this, could this be a test that God is allowing this thing to happen in my life to reveal something deeper that's going on in my heart? Amen? So God allows this Mara to come into their life. And just remember this. We are all sinners. We can do great things and we can do bad things, right? And so the proclivity, just remember this, the proclivity of my heart 
usually falls on judgment and suspicion and everyone is wrong and I'm right. That's the proclivity of my heart. As wonderful as you think you are and wonderful as I think I am, right? I got to realize that I'm battling this flesh all the time. And I've got to be careful. and I've got to guard my heart against a judgmental and critical spirit. So what can we learn from Mara? Well, the Lord tells Moses to do what? Throw this wood, throw this stick in the water, and it will lose its bitterness. Now, what did God want them to learn at Mara? Well, here's what God wanted to learn, a couple of things. First of all, he's revealing their critical spirit. But, but we need to know this, that we need to trust God even with our disappointments. So they're disappointed. They're out there and they think everything's going to go wonderful. And um, now we come to water and the water's uh, not drinkable. So now there's this disappointment. And God wanted to show them, listen, you can trust me with your disappointments. So how do we respond to God with our disappointments. Because how many of you understand that life isn't fair? If somebody tells you life is fair, just slap them because they're wrong. Life is not fair. It's never meant to be fair, right? So when two people are arguing, well, that's not fair. You know what I tell? Well, you're right. It's not fair. So get over it. It's just not fair. Life isn't fair. And so how do we, how do we respond to these disappointments? So they're disappointed. Well, God wants to show them that he is the one that heals. He can heal our disappointments when we come to him. If we trust God, he will heal our brokenness just as he did the bitter water. Once again, God does the miraculous before them. He makes the water sweet before them. And he says, I'm the one that ultimately heals your bitterness and your brokenness. See, here's the thing that I want to connect it, connect the dots to the New Testament and our life in Christ. See, because of sin, we're all disappointed. See, sin sets itself up to say, hey, this thing is great. This thing is wonderful. And how many know at the end, it only leads to death. And for a while, it might be great. And I say this to you all the time. Listen, sin is fun for a while, isn't it? It should be fun. If you, then you're, you're not doing it right if it's not fun, right? So we all get it, right? But how many know in the end, it leads to death. It's fun for a while, but it eventually leads to bondage. It eventually will lead us astray. And, and every single one of us here can attest to that. And so what, what God is saying is, listen, I'm the one that heals you. And so all of us, because of sin, the bitterness of sin, have led us astray. It's disappointed us. It's not what it was supposed to be. And God says, I'm going to send you my son to heal your brokenness. Because of the effects of sin and what it's done to you and how it's broken my relationship with you, I'm going to send you my son Jesus to heal you of that. To heal you of your sins. To bring you in a new relationship with me where you're free and you're satisfied. And no longer will sin have its Uh, captivity over your life. You're no longer captive to that sin. And so God gives us this wonderful, wonderful, wonderful relationship with his son, Jesus, by dying on the cross for our sins to bring healing into our lives because of what sin has done and because the effects that it has over our lives, God sends his son to heal us. And so God is revealing their hearts. God is, is, is showing them, listen, I'm, I'm going I'm to test you. I'm going to reveal your heart. But also, listen, I'm, I'm going to heal your disappointments. Trust me with this. 
I will heal your disappointment. Yeah, you're disappointed, but I can heal you in your disappointments. And so as we go on to chapter 16, he then sets them from Elam to the wilderness of sin. And the children of God begin to grumble again because now they're hungry. And it, it, it was, then they begin to say, well, it was so much better in Egypt. And it's so funny how quickly we can forget the provisions of God when we go through a trial again. So here they, they, they enter into to the bitter water of Mara. God heals them. Now they're on the wilderness. Now they're hungry. Now they're complaining. Why did you leave? Once again, revealing our hearts again. God tests them again. And so what God does here, which is amazing, is God will provide for them through the giving of manna, which means what is it? Uh, manna, this bread from heaven, but yet God will use this once again to test their hearts. So look at Exodus 16. We'll look at the next chapter, Exodus 16, 4 and 5. And here's what the Lord says to their complaining again. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day, gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them. And see whether they will follow my instructions on the sixth day there to prepare what they bring in. And, and that is to be twice as much as they're together on the other days for the Sabbath day where they were to rest. And God would give them enough for the Sabbath rest. So here God, they don't know what it is. It's some type of bread. They've never seen it before. But they gather it. it, it it's a provision for them. It's a miracle. It's, it's, it's miracle bread from heaven. And so God provides for them. So what was God's test? Because he says, I'm going to test them through this. What is God's test for giving them the manna? Well, once again, God is revealing their hearts. Who do you trust? God wanted them to trust him for their provisions every single day. Every single day. Now, we completely miss this in our day and age today because I mean, we've got refrigerators We've got freezers in our basement. We've got gardens in our backyard. We've got Wegmans and Tops. We've got every, right? We've got, you know, we've got food in our house that we could live off of for 10 years, right? We've got, we, 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 don't, we don't think about this daily provision. But what's part of the Lord's prayer? Isn't there an interesting thing in the Lord's Prayer where it tells us to what? Give us our what? Our daily bread. What does that mean? Here's what God is saying. I'm going to provide for every day. Just enough for this day. If you hoard it, there's going to be maggots on it the next day. But we miss this daily provision in our life. Because why? Because we have the provisions always there for around us all the time. And so we miss this. God, are you providing for me? God says, I want to provide for you every single day. God didn't want them hoarding the manna. He wanted to show them, I will provide for you every single day. God didn't want them trusting the manna. He wanted them to trust him. I'm your provider. See, it would be easy for God to give them enough for the week or the month but he wanted to be a daily provision for them. It's easy for us to look at our bank accounts, our job, our retirement as a source of security. But God is what? The source of all of them. I am your provider. You see, here's what Jesus does for us. 
Just as, he, just as Moses threw the stick in the water and turns and heals that bitter water to sweet water they could drink, Jesus heals us. And here's what Jesus also does for us. Is that Jesus is the one who becomes that living bread for us. The thing that satisfies everything we've been looking for, Jesus satisfies everything for us. He is our provider. He's provided everything for us on the cross that we couldn't provide for ourselves. And so I think what happens is the reason why we struggle with disappointments in our lives is because we lose perspective that Jesus is enough. We lose that perspective. Is Jesus really enough in my life? And God wanted Israel to to realize, listen, I am enough. I will provide everything for you. God provides everything for us through his son, Jesus Christ. And all your disappointments and all those things, God will provide. So then we have to ask ourselves, why do I have to go through testing? Why do I, why do I go through these things? Why, 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 you know, why is life so hard at times? Why is it so difficult? Why, why do I have these hurts and these scars in my life? I want you to realize today that God uses them for his glory. That, that God can even redeem the ugly things in our lives and the, and the horrible things in our past and the difficult things in our past, that God can redeem them through his son Jesus to use them for his glory that you are now a product of God's grace. You are now a product of God's mercy. God wanted the Israelites to know, you are now mine. I'm going to provide everything for you. You are no longer Egypt. Egypt is not your provider. That was bondage. I'm your provider. I'm your Lord. I'm your God. I will do everything for you. Even in the disappointments of your life, I will heal you. I will provide for you because I am your God. I don't know if many of you know um, who Charles Spurgeon was. Um, Charles Spurgeon was an um, 18th century pastor who preached in England in the 1800s. And uh, uh, Charles Spurgeon really dealt with depression in his life. He was a fantastic preacher. In fact, his church grew so much. I think it was the largest church in the area. It was huge. It was thousands of people. It grew so much to like 10,000. Eventually, they outgrew the one place they were meeting, it, was, um, it got up to 12,000 where they had to meet in a, the largest area in London to, to house that many people. 12,000 people in the building, thousands of people outside wanting to get in to hear him preach. And um, there's a story about Charles Spurgeon that when he was preaching, he was at the Surrey building it's, it, 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 in England that could held, hold 12,000 uh, people. It was the Surrey Garden Music Hall. First time they were ever in there. 12,000 people in there. Thousands of people. Probably another 12,000 people outside wanting to get in. And as he's speaking, someone yells fire. Causes panic. People start running for the doors. People are getting trampled. And um, Spurgeon was so overtaken by it that he almost basically fainted on the platform. They had to basically carry him out from someone just yelling fire. The sky is falling. They don't know why. They don't know if someone saw something, whatever. But it just caused a panic. 
Seven people died from that. Many people were injured. And that just had a profound impact on this young preacher's life. And, um, and he had to deal with this disappointment. God, why would you do, why, why would this happen? He had to deal with this. And um, he found a joy in his life, even with this profound disappointment in his life. He found a joy in the Lord that he couldn't find anywhere else. And this is what Charles Spurgeon says. Let me just close with this because I love what he says here. Because I think so many times we look at our disappointments as a negative thing in our life. That God says, you know what? I want to use those disappointments in your lives as a positive things in your life that you can use them to become a better minister for me. To reach out to people that are going through disappointments in their lives too. It humbles us, doesn't it? It's something in our lives that, that, that we can look back to and say, yeah, this didn't turn out the way I thought it was going to turn out. And here's the way you can look at your life. You can allow the Mara in your life to cause you to become bitter and critical. Or you can say, God, throw the stick in that thing and let it become sweet. That's how Jesus changes your life. That's how Jesus changes your life and your perspective. And some of you here today are pretty bitter. Some of you today are pretty bitter because of the things that have happened in your past. You need to allow God to throw the stick in that thing and make it sweet. He wants to use it for his glory and his purposes. Let me tell you what Charles Spurgeon says here. He said, I would go to the deeps a hundred times to cheer a downcast spirit. It is good for me to have been afflicted that I might know how to speak a word in season to one that is weary. That's taking a stick and throwing it right into the midst of his disappointment. Yeah, I know what it's like to be disappointed. I know what it's like for my dreams on God. I know what it's like that. See, that's what people need to hear today. That God is still good. Even in the midst of your disappointments, God is still good. And God can use you to speak a word to someone that's hurting. Um, the other day, I was just jogging around our neighborhood and I saw a woman, she was an um, older woman. She was had a walk and she's trying to bring her garbage can on. So I just stopped and said, hey, can I help you with your garbage can? She goes, oh, sure, just put it in the front of the front of the garage. I said, okay, so I'm helping her up. And we got into a half an hour conversation and she began to share her whole life with me. And uh, she has like 30 great grandchildren and just I'm like, whoa, I don't think I've ever met someone with 30 great grandchildren. You must be broke. And um, she just began to share her, her life with me and she had three husbands who all died, one accident, cancer, just began to share and how she's alone now. And, and um, I just said, can I pray with you? Talked to me about how she lost some kids and we, you know, obviously we, Kathy and I lost our first child. And so we, we had a lot to relate to, but it's like, it was like this neat conversation of God taking some disappointments and bitterness and just saying, Barden, 
you know, here's, this is what's most important, is that people are all hurting. And people have all gone through disappointments in their lives. And being able to stand there with a neighbor that I've never met before, um, and just, just sharing the love of Jesus. And she goes, I used to go to church, but I had to work two jobs because of, you know, when my one of my husbands died, I had to raise my kids. I had to get two jobs. I had to work on Sunday. And, you know, she just explained everything to me. And, and um, just a neat, neat person. And um, this is where God says, and that's why I love Spurgeon's quote, is that when God takes us into those Mara, those place of Mara's in our lives, he said, I want, the reason I'm taking you there is because you're going to be able to relate to somebody else. And you're going to be able to say, God got me through. And then you're going to be able to use that as a bridge to relate how Jesus has gotten you through. That, that, that's such a great connection. People need to hear that. People need to hear that. God is still God, even at Mara. He's still God, right? So wherever you're in your life today, whatever place you're, maybe you're in that place of Mara right now in your life. I just want you to know today that God has not forgotten about you and he's still there. And he's saying, listen, I, I, I want you to come to me and I, I want to make that thing sweet. I, 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 I want you to trust me and that's why I've given you my son Jesus to heal you of that thing. You just, you've got to give it to me. You've got to trust me with it. Even though it doesn't make sense, you've got to trust me with it. And this is how God refines us like fire and gets the dross out of our life so that we can grow deeper. And God uses the trial so that we can grow deeper in him. That's how much he loves you. So I want to pray for you today. And I just, I just want you to bow your heads with me today. And I just, I just want to pray with you as we just close the service today. How many, just, just with heads bowed, how many would just be honest with me this morning and say, Pastor, just pray for me this morning. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm battling with some, I'm going to be honest, I'm battling with some things today. And I, I just, I need God's healing. I need Christ to heal me of these things. And I, my heart is heavy, but I, I know God is good. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust him right now with that thing. Even though I don't understand, I'm going to trust him with that thing. How many by raise hand would just say, Pastor, pray for me. Good, 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 good. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Lord, you see every heart here today. You see what they're struggling with. You know what they're going through. And, and God, I just pray that we would realize today through your word that um, you don't do anything haphazardly or by mistake. And Lord, we need to get to the point to where we trust you with it and thank you that you bring healing to that thing. Not only healing, but then you use it. You heal us, but then you use us to bring healing to other people. What a great thing. So Lord, help us to be, help us to be the people you've called us to be, to look behind the, the, the facade of people and even those that are just nasty and mean, something's caused them to be that way. God, help us to see beyond that, that there's a heart that needs to be healed in Jesus' name. So I pray for every person here today that's struggling with that, that you would heal them, whatever bitter place they're in today, God, that you would bring your sweetness once again, Jesus, to their lives and you would bring that healing and then use us, God, to be your instruments, to be your people 
that can encourage other people. And so I thank you for your word. I just bring encouragement to your people today. We love you. We thank you. And we just want to be careful to ask all these things in Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. 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 Listen, listen. Um, before we just close this time together, and, and I just let you off into this beautiful day. Listen, our, our if, if you're here today and you're like, man, Pastor, definitely I would I just need someone to pray with me today. Our prayer partners, we're here every we're here every Sunday uh, at, after the service. And if you need someone just to pray with today, I want to let you know there's people up here that would love to pray with you, whatever you're going through today. And so don't walk out of this place without knowing that there's people that care and love you and that that want to pray for you. Amen. God is good. Let's just let's just thank the Lord and for his word today. And he's so good. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Go in God's grace. Enjoy your day. God bless.